Welcome to the Swipe Right app. After you've downloaded and opened the app, when prompted, choose to allow notifications. From there, you'll see an explanation of the app. Then you'll move onto the home screen where you have one simple task, swipe right to activate the notification feature. Once activated, every 20 minutes, you'll receive either an encouraging verse or truth from the Swipe Right book that will help you in times of temptation. Whether you're at your computer, heading to a date night, or simply need the extra encouragement, the Swipe Right app was created because of one simple fact. Obedience isn't a one-and-done occasion, but rather a day-by-day, minute-by-minute, decision-by-decision process. Protect your future by living carefully right now. Welcome to week two. Swipe Right, the series. We're so glad to have you at every single Fresh Life location, but also churches joining us anywhere and everywhere, and those of you at church online, really glad to have you. We're talking about the life and death power of sex and romance, and uh, we're taking some principles that are found in this new book, Swipe Right, uh, but we're just kind of digesting some big ideas throughout the series, and if you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to be, or if you can get onto God's Word on an app, you can do that. Hebrews chapter 12 we'll be looking at in just a moment, verse 16 and 17. As you're making your way there, the title of this message is... The point of no return. The point of no return. And you might recognize that. That's a, an aviation term that describes the point that pilots need to know about in advance at which they have to decide if they cross this line, they will be unable to get back to where they took off from due to fuel consumption. So they keep track of these things. If weather changes, whatever, they have to know up until this point, we can still turn around and get there. We can still turn around and get there. But if we cross this point, we can't get back to where we're going. We're committed, I guess you could say, to either land where we're trying to get to or somewhere else between here and there, but we ain't getting back home. The point of no return. And we're going to be introduced to someone in Scripture who made a decision in a moment that kept him from being able to get somewhere where he eventually realized he wanted to go. And the big kind of idea here in this message this week in this installment is that it's possible to do something now that will cause us to get to a future that we don't like when we get there. We have the power to protect the future then if we would just choose to live carefully right now. That's kind of the big idea here. You receive it even before we go any further? All right, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to see this lived out in the life of a man named Esau. Everyone say Esau. It's a name that means hairy, and uh, he was a hairy baby apparently. Don't really know what the deal is with that, but they named him Esau. Probably not the greatest compliment, but here we have uh, God's word in Hebrews 12, 16. It says, watch out. Everyone say, watch out. out. And I'm more than 11 of you. Watch out (laughs) for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. Trading away a lifelong gift in order to to satisfy a short-term appetite. That's what we're going to watch out for. Then it says, verse 17, you well know how Esau later regretted, regretted that impulsive act. And he wanted God's blessing. But by then, it was too late. Tears or no tears. Now, a little context would probably help. 
Uh, we're just jumping in here on the telling of an Old Testament story as through the eyes of the New Testament book of Hebrews. And it's held up, this story, as a cautionary tale. But to sort of make sure we have our bearings a little bit and to see what's at stake here in this transaction, when he made the decision, unfortunately, to swipe right on, a, on, a, on an action, on a course of action that committed him to be uh, heading somewhere that when he got there, by his own admission, he didn't like. But even though he regretted it, he was unable to do anything about it. He arrived at a future and didn't like what he found when he got there. Esau was the grandson of a very famous man named Abraham. And Abraham's probably one of the top three most famous individuals in the Bible. I mean, you think about, well, of course, we're not including Jesus. But if you you think about just the Old Testament specifically, you got like Moses and David. And then Abraham's probably the other heavy hitter that would round out that that list. Uh, Abraham we know of as the father of faith. But back in the, he didn't know that. He was just a regular old dude till he believed God one day. And then he got that nickname, the father of anybody who believes. Um, Abraham was given some ridiculous, extraordinary, massive, impossible promises. First of all, God said, hey, you're going to have a kid. And it's going to be a boy. And that was what I was thinking about titling my next book. It's a boy. And other things I thought I would never hear. <laughs> and, and, but I can't write that book anymore. Because Jenny and I are having a boy. Hey, started from the bottom, now we're here. So excited about that. Uh, but, but, but what was hard for Abraham and his wife Sarah to, to, to reconcile with that is they were super old. They were super old. And, and not just a little bit old, like a lot of bit old. Matter of fact, like after God gave the promise, it didn't even happen for a while. The Bible says God made the promise, but then waited until Abraham's body, get this, was as good as dead. Oh, yeah. And by the way, that's not a compliment, right? I don't think you're going to find that in many Tinder profiles. My name's Tim. I play soccer. I'm in banking. And my body's as good as dead. Swipe right for a good time, right? No, like Abraham's body, like, uh, like as good as dead. But then God fulfilled it when it was not just impossible, but even past impossible. And let me tell you something about our God. He can make a way where there is no way. Even when you see there's no human possibility of something working out. Our God, he, he brings streams into the desert. I mean, he, he, he opens up paths in the sea. The, the word impossible is just not in his vocabulary. And so uh, Abraham, all on this process, there were, there were glitches, there were, there were stumbles, there were moments where he made mistakes, but, but he, he believed God fundamentally was going to do what he said he would do. And, and it, was, it was to bring this baby boy into the world. But that's just the beginning of it. You see, through this baby boy was going to come a nation. And his descendants were going to be more in number than the stars in the night sky. And that out of this great nation, God was going to bring, the, ultimately we would know of as the Jewish nation, that God was going to bring a, a, a Messiah, a, a Savior. Translation, update, 2017 edition, an Avenger. But like Hulk and Thor, Captain America, and even Spider-Man all rolled up into one. This guy's going to crush the head of the devil. He's going to be able to bring men into heaven. He's going to be able to overthrow our ultimate enemy, death itself. Jesus the Christ, the Savior of all mankind and the hero of all possible heroes. And that was the promise. And that was, that was the, 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 the statement God gave to Abraham. This is what is at stake in your family, in your lineage, in your bloodline. So Abraham's son Isaac, it passes on to him. He gets the birthright. Isaac has twins. Isaac and his wife Rebekah have twins, two kids, a kid named Jacob 
and then Chewbacca, who we just met a moment ago, the re really hairy one. And, and these two boys, they're, they're twins, except Esau was born moments earlier, just like a second. He, he was born first of the two. Therefore, biblically, he received what's known as the, the firstborn's right or the birth right, which led to a double portion of the financial inheritance, a spiritual priestly role within the family, and, uh, and, and the ability to just basically be the leader if any disputes arose in the family business. And Abraham's family, this also then brought to Esau and to not Jacob this whole idea of being the bloodline, the one through his family, through his seed that would come about all this awesome sauce that's promised in scripture to Abraham's family, okay? So a lot is at stake here. Only Esau did not experience any of those things. Matter of fact, a few hundred years later, God would introduce himself um, to, uh, to a man named Moses, who we, we, we do know of quite a bit later than that, actually. And, and God would introduce himself to Moses, and he would say, hey, Moses, I am, I am God. I am the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. And he did not say, I'm the God of Esau. He would have, though. That's how it would have all played out, because he was the firstborn. I am the God of Esau. In fact, none of those things happened, because Esau gave up his right of first refusal on all of those promises that God had put onto his life. He gave them all away to his baby brother. He gave them all away to Jacob, willingly. In fact, matter of fact, if he wouldn't have given them to him, no one could have ever taken them from him. He opted out of them giving them away to his brother Jacob in a deal they made. Now you would say, what, what kind of a deal was this? What did he get out of this? Like, if he gave up all that God wanted to do in his life, all that God wanted to do through his life, being related to Jesus and stuff, what, what did, you're like, what did he get for it? He must have got something pretty awesome. Like, what, what did he get out of the, uh, the, the, the deal that they made? Ready? He got a bowl of soup. New England clam chowder. That's what he got. You're like, you got to be kidding me. That's a really bad deal. This guy is not a good negotiator. No, he's really not. not. Not at all. But that's honest to God how it went down in Genesis 25. If you don't believe me, read it in the Old Testament sometime this week. That's, that's precisely what happened. He comes in one day. He's hungry. His brother's cooking. He smells. He had been out hunting because they were both very different. You know, Jacob, like he's on Nordstrom.com, he's shopping, he's, he's on Pinterest. I'm going to pin that for later. I found this epic recipe for some awesome soup. Esau, he was like straight Cabela's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he's like REI, he's feeling stream, he's covering himself in elk urine, drinking the elk urine. He's like, why would you do that? I'm just going to deceive the elk. Like, you don't need to do that. Stop. Elk slurpee urine, that's not good. You know, they, they would go on you know, trips to Manhattan, and you know, Jacob wanted to go to the meatpacking district, and Esau thought he was going to be covered in meat. He was disappointed when he got there. He was, that was funnier than you responded. <laughs> and, and, and so they had different tastes and everything. And when he smelled the soup, Jacob was cooking super hungry. He said, let me have some of that soup. Actually, in the original Hebrew, he said, I want to swallow that. That's what he said. I should meet me, Esau, that food. Food goes here, right? He's like, dude, settle down. Like, I'm going to swallow that? Like, not even chew? <laughs> Least path of resistance between mouth and stomach is what I want to happen. And Jacob realized he had a moment. So he said, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you some of this soup. But uh, pulling some biscuits from the oven, letting the smell waft around the room. But you got to give me something for it. Esau, what? What, what, that? Right? Cash me outside. the side. 
what you need. How about that, right? I plan to, at some point in the entire series, say that in each message. So, so, so Jacob says, you got to give me your birthright. Got to give me your birthright. Esau says, are you telling me you want me to give you everything that God has promised to do in my life and through my life and even after I'm dead, generations after I'm gone, all that I would still give that up. You want me to give up being like in the, in the New Testament, in the bloodline of Jesus Christ when you want me to give up all that for that bowl. Of, I'll get that. If, if, if you, you'll take that. I'll, I'll take, I take soup. He goes, sign on the dotted line. Esau ate the soup in an impulsive act. Despising his birthright, he walked away. Now, it would be easy to pile on, and I have been making fun of him and making him sound like a savage and a barbarian and an idiot, and that would be the easiest way to spend our time together, right? Man, what a dummy Esau. Man, he's so stupid. What would probably be a more profitable use of our time would be for me to admit that I am capable of doing in minutes what I would regret for decades, and it terrifies me all the time. And, and, and for me then to go on to warn you as well, not, not just me, but you as well, all of us together, to, to warn us all that for each of us, the enemy, somewhere in some kitchen, has a pot of soup simmering. And it will be served up at the perfect time, ladled into a dish, presented with culinary perfection. Offered to you at just the right time, when you're at your lowest, when you're feeling unloved, when you're feeling like your your needs have not been met, when you're worn down, when you're stressed out, when you're feeling anxious. And in that moment, when the steamy stew hits your nose, you will feel like all of your happiness is attached to what's in that dish. And in that moment, any notion of some far-off promise of how God wants to use you or what he said in some dusty old book written thousands of years ago that some angry red-faced preacher used to yell at you about when you were a kid is going to seem so distant and so opaque and so unreal and undesirable. And I preached the entire message to be able to say this to you. You don't want what the devil's got in his crock pot. He's slow cooking the death of your calling. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Oh, it looks good. Oh, my gosh. Whew. I want some soup right now. I mean, this, this, but what does, what is, what, oh, my goodness, what is in that It's not good. Guys, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Come on, it's good preaching with a little prop right there. You don't want what the devil's got in his crock pot. Here's the first of four takeaway truths. Jot them down. Take them down to your heart as we learn to do what the book of Hebrews says, to watch out for the Esau syndrome because all of us are susceptible. All of us are capable of decisions in a moment that take us past points of no return, that make it difficult for us to arrive where we want ourselves to reach, this place we want to go. And uh, the first thing I want you to jot down is this. Your desires, 
can keep you from your destiny. Your desires. Esau's was a desire for food, but desire is desire. Appetite is appetite. And the Bible talks about how it's possible to live in a place, at a state where your God is your belly. Where basically uh, feeling good is the highest good. Now, as it relates to sexuality and romance and all of this that is our discussion, there's, there's a lot of crossover, a lot of overlap, because there's a good desire for sex. There's a good desire for intimacy. We talked in the first installment about how God wants you to have an amazing sex life. He wants you to enjoy the gift of sexuality. If that's something you look forward to, that's not bad. You have an appetite, you have a desire, and that's a part of how God built you. So having a sex drive isn't the problem. Letting sex drive is. Because your desires, your appetite in a moment can cause you to make a decision that would cause you to move away from the destiny that God and you yourself at the bottom of the, at the end of the day is where you want to go. The temporary, though, is what can keep us from the eternal, the temporary. And, and our, our, our desire to have what we want for a moment can keep us back for what we want to enjoy forever. Physical instantaneous can keep us from eternal that we all long for. That's what happened to Esau, and it can happen to me, and it can happen to you. In the time it takes to swipe the screen of a tablet, to steam up the windows of a parked car, to, you know, rumple the sheets of a motel room bed, you can give up in minutes what you would then later regret with tears for decades, all of us are capable of doing this, and that's what the enemy has for us. He wants for us to not enjoy the life and the marriage that God planned for us. He wants for our kids to grow up in a home racked by divorce, racked by confusion, full of turmoil, full of conflict, full of pain. He wants for you to not be able to shine the light at work. He wants you to make unethical decisions and to make the compromising choices that would even imp impact your employment. He, he would love to see you terminated because of something you did that, that, that was right in a moment, that felt good right here, but that brought to you to, to a state over here you don't like. I even think of something as simple as even just texting and driving or drinking and driving, how something in a moment over here just really quickly, just over and done in an evening, then you wake up, then the hangover is gone, but now you're realizing what you've done and what's happened to you. We can do in minutes what we would regret for decades. Your desire can keep you from your destiny, giving in to every appetite, giving in to every desire. Just because you feel something doesn't mean you have to do it. Just because birds fly over it doesn't mean you have to let them build a nest in your hair, is how Martin Luther said it back in the day. So we have to just recognize the enemy cooks the soup. And if we sneak a sip to the extent that we drink, we're moving ourselves away from what we ultimately one day are going to desire. That's the first thing. Second thing, jot this down. Know this, when your stomach gets empty, your standards get lower. When your stomach's empty, your standards get lower. That's why it's such a colossal mistake to go grocery shopping on an empty stomach. Dang, I've learned that lesson the hard way. You know, just, just you know, you start looking at everything. This sounds great. You'll eat things you would never even eat before. I come home and it's Ben and Jerry's and it's, it's all this. And my, my wife's like, I asked you to get eggs. I'm like, I'm just so hungry. And I made bad choices, right? And, and that's why I, I, I don't know about you. I have to eat every couple hours. And, and the more I'm eating of good things, if I have a stomach full of chicken breast and broccoli and a power bar, I, I don't have as much of an appetite for the other things that I would pull into my life. It's the same way spiritually. Do you think Jacob would have gotten Esau to make this deal if he would have approached him at the breakfast table? They're both eating Lucky Charms. 
looking into the box for the toys. Remember there used to be toys? Right now it's like sending the 1900 box tops and we'll, send you, we'll think about sending you a toy one day. <laughs> Knowing no one's going to remember all that, right? There used to be like toys. It's probably a liability. Someone probably broke like crowns or something. But anyhow, uh, he, if they were sitting there eating breakfast and he's like, hey, bro, you want to give me your birthright for some more Cheerios? He'd be like, you'd give him a wedgie, right? And <laughs> swipe left on him so fast he would make his head spin. But he didn't. He didn't because when your stomach's empty, your standards get lower. It's harder to see the invisible when you're so preoccupied by the material. And he was hungry. He was worn down. He came in from the woods, this long, unsuccessful hunt. And, and it was then that he w- sprung this deal on him because some future promise of power seemed so much less important than present pleasure. And so it is for you. The devil has tremendous timing. He'll make sure to show up with temptation just when you and your wife have had a fight or just when there's been friction at work or just when something's gone wrong. He'll, he'll make sure it feels really good. Comfort sin. He'll swoop in with comfort sin that, that's just the thing to cheer you up. Of course, it's a lie, and it will, it will not satisfy, and it will, it, will, it will bring only just a momentary satisfaction like drinking salt water. Then you'll be even more thirsty than you were before, and you'll have the new compounded problems for what you brought into your life because of what you did in that moment to deal with. So you have to keep your stomach full. If you're unclear about your calling, it will cause you to uh, put a lower value on yourself than you deserve. That's why scripture says make your calling an election sure. Keep your calling in mind, who you are. When you know who you are, you're not going to let anyone else tell you what you're worth. Why do you think David said in Psalm 119, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you? What is he saying walking out into the world? I'm not going to walk around hungry because then I'm, I'm going to fall for any lie this world has to offer. If I walk uh, in the world with a full stomach and, and then someone comes up to me and, and, and says to me, hey, this, this will make you feel great. You're like, yeah, but God's word says, God's word says, God's word. That's how Jesus handled temptation. It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. His heart was so full of God's word in the temptations that he didn't fall for anything the devil brought his way because he understood the power of God's word. That's why it's so important that before you go out to, to leave your house, go to work, you're at least hiding some scripture in your heart. Opening up the Bible, jumping onto your app on the phone and reading something from your devotional plan and, 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 and hiding God's word in your heart so that you will not sin against him. That's why also it's so important you're serving God. You're serving God, especially in your local church. Jesus said, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What power there is in actively serving God and doing the work, which is lots of people being drawn to him, right? Because listen to me, idle hands are really the devil's workshop. I mean, there's just a, a, a power in not letting your life have too much empty time and not letting there be that vacuum. That's why it's just so powerful to, to use the gifts God given you to serve and serve other people. If you have your stomach full of God's word and your hands are busy doing God's word, guess what? You're not going to have the space or have the time to fall for these things the enemy wants to have going on in your life. There's just a power in being a part of God's work and having your stomach full and knowing who you are. Now, you're like, you keep talking about this, my identity, my, my calling. What do you you mean? Oh, did no one ever tell you? You're, you're, you're a child of the king of kings. You're a son or daughter of the emperor of all eternity. I mean, he is the, the maker of the ends of the earth, and you're his adopted blood-bought son, his, his daughter. You're royalty. 
Peter said, you're a chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's own special people who got brought out of his darkness into marvelous light that he may proclaim his praises through you. I mean, there's such a power in that. I I dare you to wake up every day, look yourself in the mirror and say, I am chosen, I am loved, I am called, I am equipped. Then someone tries to like, hey, hey girl, hey, you're like, oh, I am already loved. Hello, thank you very much. I already know who I am. My worth does not come from the likes I get on social media. I'm not going to send some scandalous picture you're asking for because my father in heaven loves me. He says that I'm going to rule and reign with him forever. My name's already on a table setting in heaven somewhere. I've been given the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. My sins have been washed away. I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to walk in triumph. I'm going to walk in his will and do his work. And, And then when you're scrolling, 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 and you start to feel that normal feeling, we all feel sometimes, what is that, that FOMO feeling? fear of missing out, and we start to see where everyone else is at, and, and we start to feel like, dang, it's Friday night, and look what I'm doing, look, look what they're all doing, this is, this is uh, and you start to feel like, man, maybe I'm missing out, God's word's going to speak up in your heart, it's going to say, yeah, you are missing out on the regret, on the guilt, on the heartache, on the consequences, on the fear, on the sadness, you're missing out on all the things that Jesus does not want you to experience, and he has great things for you, he's not trying to keep something from you, he has so much for you, the devil is a liar and Jesus came that you would have life and life abundantly. Now, you're hearing some of this, and I know some of you, there's a little bit of a pushback. A little pushback because you're, you're thinking, man, you know, you're making it sound like we can do these things and take these things, and, and all of a sudden we're going to end up at this place, this point of no return. And, you know, you, you might be saying, aren't you supposed to tell us as a pastor that we can just do whatever we want and God can forgive us later? Aren't we supposed to just sin all we want and then later just say, I'm sorry, at least like once a week or maybe once a month or maybe at the end of our life, that we get to be young and do what we want and have a good time, but then eventually just say, I'm sorry. You might be saying, Levi, I can do this and not worry about that because God can forgive me. I won't argue that one bit. I'm all about God forgiving. I believe if you ask Jesus, he will forgive you. Matter of fact, if you are in Christ, he already has. Put that in your inception and smoke it, right? He's already forgiven you of sins you haven't even yet committed if you're a Christian because he's outside of time. He sees the end from the beginning. He already knows everything that's already going to happen as though it already were. So what? Well, then we should just enjoy ourselves and ask, ask for forgiveness after the fact. Well, listen to me. There's a huge difference between forgiveness and consequences. I could kill someone tomorrow. God will forgive me. I'll be in prison for the next 30, 50 years to life watching Fresh Life on the Hillsong channel, but but God will forgive me. God will forgive me, but there's still consequences. Yes, 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 he can forgive you, but he'd much rather be blessing you and using you than forgiving you. And that doesn't mean that you can just walk in sin and and still enjoy his best for your life. There's a world, there's a heap of difference between forgiveness and forgiveness. And, and consequences. So, so, so listen to me. Walk in this world with your stomach full of God's word, your hands busy with God's will. Don't let your value be vulnerable. Don't let your spiritual stomach get empty. Amen? Don't trade what you want most for what you want right now. Third thing, in all you do, think follow through. And that's awesome because it rhymes. In all you do, think follow through. Don't just think here. Esau should have stepped back from the table and gotten some perspective. 
And that's almost always a solution to the problems we get into in this world, isn't it? We're just right up in there in it. We're just, our, the blood's rushing to our head and we're just feeling like this will, if I got to give in, this will, this will bring, bring relief. This will bring satisfaction. There's, there's going to be a great pleasure in it. But if we step back for a moment, just you got to learn to hit pause because scripture says there's always a way of escape in any temptation. But, but that, that will not come. Uh, I mean, it'll always be there. We just won't always see it if we're flying by so quickly. So slow it down, right? In the military, they talk about smooth is slow, slow is fast. You've got to learn to slow things down and, and make good decisions, make wise choices. So when you're tempted to do something that could take you away from where God wants you to go, that could take you away from the marriage experience he wants you to have one day, that could take you away from what the, the, your children who aren't even born yet, who aren't even conceived yet, are, are, are going to one day walk in as the story of their family tree. Like, like you just learn to slow it down for a second. And think follow through, right? That's like an athletic term. I wouldn't know, not super athletic or sportsy, but I know that you don't stop at the ball in baseball. You follow through. I know you don't stop at the ball in golf. In golf, you, your, your actually club ends like 180 degrees after where it began. Follow through is where all the power is at. So it is spiritually speaking. So many dating and relationship books, nothing against them that I've ever read, I have not felt fully satisfied in, and that's, I guess, why I had to write the one that I wanted to read as a 16-year-old, is because it's so much time just about it, just the, the relationship, dating, marriage, God's way, whatever it is, but, but, but not like looking, opening it up bigger to as a part of something else, as a part of a bigger story, finding the meta-narrative of all that God has for you, not just in life, not just in your love life, but realizing there's eternity after life. Death is not the end of the road. It's just a bend in the road. There is a hereafter. Our hope shall not be cut off, right? So just realizing there's more to the story than just life. There's more to the story than just dating. There's more to the story than just being single. And when you think follow through, you think eternal life, you think big picture, you think pull back 10 years, pull back 20 years, pull back 30 years, right? Because right now you're all up in it. You want to be like what your friends are, what you think you should be experiencing as a 24-year-old or whatever it is. But think, it, well, how will your 70s look back on these decisions? Think longer than that. Because we're, we're thousands of years removed from Esau, but the story's being told. And, and, and so think like a thousand generations. That's how long God's faithful to his promises, he says in his word. So think through in heaven, looking back on your life. There's this one little brief moment we have on this earth to, 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 to walk in God's plan and to absorb ourselves in his will. What will eternity think of our actions here on this day? Live out of that on that day. Matter of fact, scripture says, here's how we get a heart of wisdom. Look at this. Teach me to have a heart of wisdom. Help me to number my days. If you number your days, you'll gain a heart of wisdom. I mean, you're probably not going to live past 80, 90, 100. Okay, you get to 100. So number all those days. And where are you at right now in, in proportion to what you've been given? And what will you want at the end of the day when you take your final breath, looking back on your life to save your life? I guarantee you, you're not going to be wishing you had made more money. I guarantee you, you're not going to just wish that you had bought more things or impressed more people. You're going to think about relationships and you're going to think about God. Really, just relationships up and relationships here. And if we look up and live up, we can swipe right on the left and right. We can live right in God's sight. So go to the end in your mind. Think follow through. That'll help you make better decisions. I, I, it's not just something you read about in the Bible either. I was reading Shoe Dog. It's the autobiography of uh, Nike co-founder Phil Knight. And I came across this sentence that just ministered to me so much. Look what he said. He said, I'd tell men and women in their mid-20s not to settle for a job or a profession or even a career. Seek a calling. Even if you don't know what that means, seek it. 
He says, if you're following your calling, the fatigue will be easier to bear. The disappointments will be fuel. The highs will be like nothing you've ever felt. That's straight good preaching. I say just do it. I say seek a calling. There is a calling on your life. God doesn't save you just so you won't go to hell, but so you can shake the gates of hell. And the swipe right message isn't don't sin. It's take your place and change the world because you were destined for impact. Shout if you believe it. But it's hard to do. It's hard to do. It's hard to seek that calling. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. It's hard to do. Why, 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 why? Because, listen to me, now yells louder but later lasts longer. And so think of the later. Think of the later, not just now that yells so loud and demands to be gratified. Instant gratification will keep you back from ultimate satisfaction. I got one last thing to say. I'm going to ask the team to come on up here. We're going to close this down. The last thing I want to tell you, and I'm going to speak this over you, is that your entire life can change in just a moment of time. It's true. Esau's story proves it, doesn't it? That's true in the negative sense in Esau's example. Your entire life can change in a moment of time. The scripture says, though Esau regretted what he did and wished with tears he could get it back, he couldn't. He earnestly desired to get back his birthright that he gave to Jacob, but he would not be able to. The consequence remained. And so in a negative sense, that's true. And, And I want to speak over your life that in a positive sense, the same is true. Because no, no one here can uneat the soup they've eaten, me included. And, and the tension of me preaching any of this is that I realize I'm not preaching it to perfect people, and I'm not preaching it as a perfect person. And so in, in some sense, there's a little despair to preach these things faithfully like I should. And I have to warn. I wrote, I wrote this book. I'm preaching this message to warn those who haven't gone down those roads. It's better to do things God's way. He knows what he's talking about. He's not trying to keep you from fun. He's trying to keep you from devastation. He's trying to keep you from death. He's trying to keep you from heartache. He's trying to keep you from regret. This is to regret-proof your marriage bed and your deathbed. So it's, it needs to go out like a stern warning. It needs to go out like a wake-up call. But it also has to acknowledge there's people here like, oh, that's fantastic. Wish I'd have heard this 30 years ago, but awesome. I'm Esau. I guess I'll just go have more soup. Can I get some soup to go then? Because what does it even matter? And what I want to speak to you is that in a positive way, your entire life can change in just a moment of time. No, 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 no. You might not be able to get the consequences to be gone. The the STD might remain. The divorce might go through. Your kids might take years and years to even take your calls. The the, the job that fired you for what you did, yeah, that might be real. Okay, you might go behind bars, but you don't have to face the consequences alone. God is with you. He's for you. He loves you. And he'll, listen to me, he's so good, he'll even bless you in places you shouldn't have gone. You had no business being. He can forgive. He can restore. He can cause there to be a new abundance of harvest of righteousness to come out of it. But you got to make a decision. You got to say, from this day forward, I want to honor you. I'm going to walk as a worshiper. I want to love you. I want to follow you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for this teaching from the Swipe Right series. And if during that message you made a decision to give your life to Christ, we just want to say congratulations. And if you go to freshlife.church, you can go up and click the Know God tab 
fill out the information there, and we would love to send you some resources that's got a Bible and some other stuff in it just to kind of help you in these next steps in that relationship. And if your life has been impacted in any way through Fresh Life, we would love to hear about it. So on that Know God tab, just click the Share Your Story link. Let us know what's been going on, and those stories are like jet fuel for our team here and for the Fresh Life family. If God has worked in your life through Fresh Life and you want to partner with us financially, all you have to do is click the Give tab and you can fill out the information there and either set up recurring giving or uh, just give a one-time gift. Thank you so much for joining us for this message and we will see you next week.